Uh, if you can go back with me, back 20 years ago in 2001, in August, uh, this young baby couple uh, came to Temple. And uh, I think they looked exactly, they look still like that very much right now. But they came uh, to serve with the Western Hills Church of Christ. Scott coming to be the youth minister. Erica uh, began teaching in the Salado School District. And that didn't stay that way very long. Uh, because very soon, because they came expecting, and they added this uh, to the scene. That is Kate. Aw. Yeah, everybody go, aw. If you see him here today, he looks like that, but he's a little taller. Um, and you might remember that. And uh, then... Over time, they continued to grow as a family, and we added Cutter and Cooper, and there they are. Every, that one's definitely a thank you for the awe over there. Um, their family continued to grow and continued to bless this church, and of course, we can go to, to now if you don't remember what they look like. There's the Meyer family. And this church was blessed 20 years ago um, by the Meyer family coming here. I was already in town. I was serving at another church, and I was so excited. Uh, Scott and I had worked together in the past as interns um, that I had a ministry partner coming to town. And he came, and if you've been here any short period of time, um, made an impact on this church. Now, what I want to do this morning, though, is go back. I don't want to really preach an original message this morning. I'm going to go back and actually take one of Scott Meyer's messages uh, and tweak it a bit uh, for our purposes this morning. This morning, the question is, what do these stones mean? Now, several years ago, in fact, it was uh, coming up on 16 years ago, Scott Meyer preached a sermon from the passage we're going to be in this morning. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4. If you want to go there, we're going to be there in just a few moments. But what's happening in this chapter is the Israelites have been wandering in the desert for years. For 40 years. And they finally made it to the promised land. But they're not there yet. They are on the other side of the Jordan River. And they've got to go over the Jordan River. And take the land. Moses is no longer the leader. He has passed on the leadership to Joshua. Now if you don't know who Joshua was. Joshua was one of the men. That was one of the 12 spies. That they sent out earlier. Into the land to scope it out. And while they were there, they looked around and saw many things, and the spies came back, and 10 of those 12 spies said, no go, not possible, we can't do this. These people are giants, we'll never take the land. And Joshua and his friend Caleb were the two out of the 12 that said, no, we can do it, we got God with us. Well, the people wouldn't do it, they were scared. And because of that, God said, okay, we're going to get a generation gone since you don't trust me to give you this land, we're going to have your generation fade away and the next generation gets to take the land. So they wander for years. And the time has come and Joshua and Caleb are still around. They do get to it go into the promised land. And Joshua is the leader. And they have a time where they get ready and they're going to cross over the Jordan River. And so that's where we'll pick up the story in chapter 4. Joshua is talking, they've actually crossed the Jordan River now. And what has happened comes from Joshua chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. In the future, when your children 
ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan River was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. See, what happened is God had a plan, and Joshua used that plan. The Ark of the Covenant was to go in front of them, and when they touched the river, God said, I've got a plan. Remember, remember the Red Sea where I split that open? I'm going to stop the flow of the Jordan River at flood stage. It's going to pile up, and you're going to walk across on dry land. And because God does what he says he can do, that's what happened. And as they go across, Joshua makes sure that one of the tribes is represented in each one of them, the 12 tribes of Israel, and says, pick up a stone from the middle of the river, a big river rock, and carry it with you. Now, I'm sure some of those guys were really excited about, okay, great, we're carrying all our stuff, and now we have to pick up rocks and carry them too. But they followed Joshua's orders. And when they got to the other side and got to their camp, they made a stack of these 12 stones, obviously from the riverbed. And then Joshua told them what that was supposed to be. He says, when your families later on, when the, the kids that didn't get to cross the Jordan River and see this happen, when generations from now they see this stack of stones, you tell the story. Not the story of what Israel did, but of what God did. You tell your children the story. And it's an incredible story. And several years ago, Scott brought us to this. He said, these stones mean something, and we have a story to tell. Now, it's not the story of the people of God crossing the Jordan River. It's the story of what God is doing in history and now and in the future here in Temple, Texas and around the world. And that we are part of that story. Scott pointed us to the rocks and said we are to remember what God has done, but also what God is going to do. And to get that, we need to go back. We need to jump a chapter back to chapter 3 in Joshua. So this is pre-crossing the river. It's Joshua giving the instructions, the crazy, wild instructions of God of what's going to happen. So early in the morning... Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before the crossing the river, crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark and do not go near it. So Joshua gave these weird instructions. All right, everybody, we're going to get moving here. And here's what's going to happen. The ark's going to come through and we're just all going to fall in line behind it and follow it. The people have done this before in different places. But this one's going to be different. Because when that ark gets to the Jordan River... God's going to do some amazing things. And so the people got the instructions and they followed the instructions. But here's the key point 
before they cross over the river. God had given them the promised land. It was theirs. But there is some work to continue to do. So here's what Joshua's challenge is to the people before they follow the ark through the river. From Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. So Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. See, here Joshua is giving kind of a teaser to the people. Joshua knew what was going to happen, I think. God had shared his plan. Joshua knew exactly how it was going to work. Probably never seen water pile up before on a river, but he knew basically what was going to happen. But God's people didn't. And so Joshua's preparing them, giving them a little teaser and says, get ready, consecrate yourselves, because tomorrow your mind's going to be blown. God's going to do some amazing things, not around you, not near you, but among you. Through you. See, in several years ago, and, and, and a few times in between that, Scott's called us as a church to look back at this story. Not just to look back and, and look at a pile of rocks and remember what great things God has done, but to tie us to this verse. To remind us that there's still more to come. There are things to do. See, when they crossed over the Jordan River, the promised land was theirs. God said, you can have it. They still had battles to fight. They still had times where they had to again and again and again put their trust in God, sometimes put their trust in God's crazy plans, like marching around the city of Jericho to win a battle. There were still things to do. But here, Joshua's letting people know, you've got to know Everything that's to come, it's God doing these amazing things among you. It's not your power, it's God's power. And the question is, do you want to be a part of it? Because here's what I want us to know this morning. We are looking back and we're, we're thankful for 20 years. And we're hopeful for many more. He's getting old, but we think so. But God is not done. The Western Hills Church, we do look back, we do look at our history, we do honor saints that have gone before us, we honor those whose shoulders we stand on, but God's not done. Let me tell you the heart of, of this guy we call Scott Meyer that preaches, he cornered me this morning and goes, there's going to be some Jesus this morning, right? This is not all about me. Because that's his heart, that's not a humble thing, that's his heart of people need to hear the message, so here it is. God is not done. The Western Hills Church is not a museum. It's not a history marker. The Western Hills Church is a moving, active body, and God is not done using this church. The call is still there for us. Consecrate yourselves, for the Lord is going to do amazing things among you. What does that mean, consecrate yourself? Let me give you a simple one. I'm a children's minister. I like simple words. Prepare. Get ready. Get yourself ready for God to move. Get yourself ready for you to be a part of God's movement in this church, in this community, and around the world. So you go, how do you, how do you prepare? What do you do? I've got some suggestions. Here's what you do to prepare for what God is going to do 
through Western Hills, in this community and around the world. Here's some things. These are my suggestions. The first thing you need to do is you need to pray. You need to be praying, and I'm going to give you some specific things here, but you need to be in prayer constantly asking God to guide you, to give you wisdom, to give you eyes to see. But I'm going to challenge you. I want you praying for the elders of this church. I want you praying for these men that guide us, that look to the text and say, what would God have us be about? It's not an easy job. Often it's a thankless job. But it's a calling on those that are serving now. And I want you praying for them. You may not always agree with them. Tell you what, sometimes some of us don't either. But they've been called by God. So I want you praying for them daily as they discern where God would have us go as a church, what we would be as a people. This next one's selfish. I'd pray that you pray for the staff here. All the staff, the office staff, the minister staff, we need your prayers because we're in that same thing. We're, we're trying to follow God. We're trying to look at his word and say, what's next? What should we be about? Who needs Jesus? And how do we get it, that message to him? We need your prayers. We need you praying for us. I also ask you to pray for some open doors. Lots of things have changed in the last two years. The amazing shifts in our world that haven't been seen in a long time. COVID made things change. It made us reinvent ourselves in a lot of ways. And it closed some doors, but I believe it's opened some doors. But I want you praying that God opens doors in our community, especially in our community, for us to go in in the name of Jesus. Now, we don't know where those doors may be, but you need to be praying for that. You need to be seeking that for us, for you. I also want you to be praying that we have receptive hearts. So it's not just that the door is open, that we can go in, but that there are people ready. Often we talk about, hey, we're glad you're here. If you're new with us, thank you for coming and joining us. We've been praying for you, even though we don't know your name. And that's true, because we're praying for receptive hearts. We want you praying as a church for that too. That those that we might reach through these open doors, through any way possible, would be receptive to the saving grace of God. Because that's God working. It's not how hard we try, it's, it's God working in the lives of people. So be praying for people to have receptive hearts. Maybe you need to be praying for you to have a receptive heart. Maybe it's, it's a family member that you're asking God to open their heart up. Be praying for that. Because God uses that. The next way to prepare is act. You don't just sit back and pray. Joshua didn't sit back and pray. Joshua took action and called the people to do something. To prepare yourself, to consecrate yourself, you need some actions. The first one I'm going to challenge you with is to speak a word. To speak a word for Jesus when you can. There's these commercials out right now that are trying to get uh, people aware of the incredible need for foster care parents. Because there's an incredible need for foster care parents. And these commercials are basically telling people, just start talking about it. Put in a word for foster care. One of the commercials, they're on a Zoom call and they're in a pause waiting for someone to join. No one's experienced that, right? Uh, 
And the lady goes, so, foster care. And then starts sharing some stats about number of kids in foster care. It's a bit awkward. But she gets there. Speak a word in the name of Jesus. It may be a bit awkward at first. But begin to find those situations and act. When you can say something of a gospel message, when you can point people a little closer to Jesus, do it. Said It may be awkward. It may never get easy. But I'm calling you, speak a word. Next thing to do is, is get up and serve. Serve maybe here on this campus, in this church. Serve out in the world. Serve in the name of Jesus. When you have an opportunity to do something for someone else, because serving is big and small. When you have an opportunity, take that opportunity. Act. Serve. People notice. That may be also a great time to speak a word. When they're going, what are you doing? Why did you do that? You could speak a word then. But when you start serving, it gets you moving. It gets you seeing ways that you can partner with God to do amazing things. And the last one, maybe sounds selfish, but I'm going to encourage you to invite. Several of you are incredible inviters. Calling people to say, hey, come to church with me. Come to church with me. Come to church with me. And now it's like, come to church with me. Or, hey, watch this, this link online of this sermon. And join us for worship online if that's not where you, if you can't be here. So many of you are great inviters. I want to encourage you to all become inviters. When you have an opportunity, share what we have. Ask them to come. That goes back to that praying for receptive hearts. They may say yes. Then it gets really scary. So the call today is to consecrate yourselves, to prepare for what God is doing among us, what God is going to do among us. There's some great dreams for this community that the elders and the staff and many others want to see happen because so many people need Jesus. You may think that we're a Christian nation, but that's not true. Many know the name of Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. And so we have an incredible opportunity. We have a community that's ready for us to go in and serve in the name of Jesus and share the gospel. It may not be easy, but again, the scripture says it's God that's going to do the amazing things. It's not, it's not what we do. So the call this morning is to notice the stones. And to remember what God has done, but don't stop there. Because the call to the Israelites back then wasn't point out those stones and tell them what God used to do and say, and now we sit here in the promised land and do nothing. The call of looking at the stones is a call back to consecrate yourselves and start looking for the next way God is going to do amazing things among you. Because if you let them do that, it will be some amazing things. God has done some amazing things over the last several years through this church. Lives have been changed because of this church, because of you. Don't let it stop. God's not done. We're not done. Scott Meyer's not done. But lean in. Pray. Act.
and watch for those amazing things. If you would stand with me, I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to ask MJ to come up after the prayer. He's going to lead us in a song called Ancient Words. Kind of bring us back. Here's why we do all this. It's because of those words of Jesus that offer hope in life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a God that is not dead, but alive. A God that has done amazing things and continues to do amazing things. So God, I pray right now for, for all of us to have open hearts, to see where you are working, and to have courage to join you there. God, Father, I pray that we don't just talk about what's been done but we act on what you're calling us to. And Father, we pray for those open doors and those receptive hearts that we may call all to the saving power of grace through Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.